So then, what is sin that Christ sets us free from? Brothers and sisters, as I said, we need Jesus to set us free from sin and its consequences of death. So what is this sin? I'm glad you keep asking. James chapter 4 verse 17 says that whoever knows the right thing to do and fails to do it, for him it is sin. Also, 1 Corinthians chapter 6 verse 18 tells us every other sin a person commits is outside the body, but the sexually immoral person sins against his own body. We are to put to death, therefore, what is earthly, that is sin, in us, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, and evil desires. But then one asks, you're asking, these specific acts of disobedience. Okay, I'm getting there. According to 1 John chapter 5, verse 17, as I said, all wrongdoing is sin. This includes sexual sins of immorality such as adultery, pornography, sodomy, masturbation, adultery, fornication, the use and addiction to drugs such as methane, cocaine, crack, heroin, drunkenness, the abuse of alcoholic substances, gambling, glutton, overeating, lying, cheating, slander, lust, and the list goes on. Jesus said in Mark 7, 20, 23, what comes out of a person is what defiles us. For from within, out of the heart of man, comes evil thoughts, sexual immorality, theft, murder, adultery, coveting, wickedness, deceit, sensuality, envy, slander, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within us and they defile us. We can only be set free and set free indeed by Jesus Christ. Paul says in Galatians chapter 5 verses 19 through 21. Now the works of the flesh are evident through sexual immorality, impurity, sensuality, idolatry, sorcery, strife, jealousy, fits of anger, rivalries, dissension, division, envy, drunkenness, orgies, and the like. He goes on to say, I warn you, as I warned you before, that those who do such things will not inherit the kingdom of God, brothers and sisters. Remember what we are told in Jude. Sodom and Gomorrah and the surrounding cities indulged in sexual immorality and pursued unnatural desires resulting in God bringing down fire to destroy these cities. And remind us, this serves as an example of the punishment of eternal fire for those who do such things. Now, brothers and sisters, I know full well that we are not under the law, but grace. However, God's word stands forever. God says in Malachi 3.6, For I am the Lord, I change not. Leviticus chapter 20 Verse 13 tells us, if a man lies with a man as with a woman, both of them have committed an abomination. They shall surely be put to death. Their blood is upon them. The Apostle Paul reminds us of God's wrath against the sexual immoral. As presented in Numbers chapter 5, 
Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians chapter 10 that we must not indulge in sexual immorality as some of them did. Paul was referring to Numbers chapter 11 where it says, And Israel abode in Sidon, and the people began to commit whoredom with the daughters of Moab. An Israelite man was so bold and disrespectful of the presence of God that he brought a Mennonite woman, a whore, into the camp and took her into his tent in the sight of Moses and in the sight of the children of Israel, who was weeping before the door of the tabernacle. Seeing this, Kenahas, the son of Eleazar, the son of Aaron the priest, went into the man's tent and thrust his javelin through the belly of both the man and the woman, killing them. God said to Moses that Pinehas has turned my wrath away from the children of Israel, while he was zealous for my sake among them, that I consumed not the children of Israel in my jealousy. In doing so, Pinehas stopped the wrath of God that had broken out against the children of Israel. The Bible tells us that those that died in the plague within a few moments were 24,000. Had Pinehas not done what he did, God would have wiped out the Israelites. You see, God tells us very plainly in 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 13, through the Apostle Paul. The body is not meant for sexual immorality, but for the Lord and the Lord for the body. Regarding sin, we are told in Revelation chapter 21, verse 8, that the cowardly, the faithless, the detestable, the murderers, sexual immoral, sorcerers, all liars will have their place, will have their place in the lake that burns with fire and suffer, which is the second death. Thanks be to God, Jesus sets us free from sin so that we do not have to endure this punishment of being cast into the lake of fire. Scripture also tells us wrongdoers will not inherit the kingdom of God. Do not be deceived. Neither the sexually immoral, nor adulterers, nor men who have sex with men, nor thieves, nor the greedy, nor drunkards, nor slanders, nor swindlers will inherit the kingdom of God. Sin include evil thoughts, murder, adultery, sexual immorality of the different types of which I mentioned several times, theft, false witness, slander, and many others. People of God, adultery is sin. Adultery is defined as voluntary sexual intercourse between a married person and a person who is not his or her spouse. Now, brothers and sisters, I know that what I'm about to say may be contentious, but I'm going to say it because Jesus says it in Matthew chapter 19, verse 9. Jesus said, I say unto you, whoever divorces his wife except for sexual immorality and marries another commits adultery. I am not judging people of God. I'm just saying what Jesus said. I ask that anyone who may be divorced and remarried or in, a, or in a situation as I have just said regarding what Jesus said, I ask that you pray and ask the Lord to speak to you about your situation.
Regarding sin, the Apostle Paul also says in 2 Timothy chapter 3, verses 1 through 5. But understand this, that in the last days there will come times of difficulty, for people will be lovers of self, lovers of money, proud, arrogant, abusive, disobedient to their parents, ungrateful, unholy, heartless, unappeasable, slanderous, without self-control, brutal, not loving God, not loving good, treacherous, reckless, swollen with conceit, lovers of pleasure rather than lovers of God, having the appearance of godliness but denying its power. We should avoid such people. Yes, people, we may say that these things have always been. That's true. But we all know not to the extent that we're witnessing. People of God, this is what so many of us are. We say we believe in God, yet we deny his power. I was this way for a long time. I said I believe in God, but I didn't necessarily believe in all the, all the power of God, the power to save, to keep me from sinning the way I wanted to. We deny his power of healing us. We deny the power of God that is expressed through the gifts of the Holy Spirit given to the church, the body of Christ, to do the works of the church. Brothers and sisters, regarding all of these scriptures on God's position on sexual immorality and what God words to find that sexual immorality. Many of us have loved ones who are in such situations and relationships and we love them dearly. And in some cases, perhaps more than life itself. And for those of us who are called to preach God's word without making apologies for it, our hearts breaks because we know what God's word says, but we have to do what God has called us to do. So for all of those who have loved ones in this situation, let us pray. Let us pray and seek God that he will show them the same grace he showed us because we're all sinners. And the culture in which we live today makes it so much easier, I might say, or perhaps for people who love God find themselves in this situation for whatever reason they're in this situation but just as I had my private sins and God delivered me pray that he will deliver your loved ones as well so why did Jesus come to set us free number one Jesus came down to do the will of the father his father God the Father. Jesus said, For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of my Father who sent me. In John chapter 6, verse 38, we're told, What is the will of the Father? For my Father's will is that everyone who looks to the Son and believes in him shall have eternal life, and I will raise him up at the last day. And then John chapter 6, verse 40 tells us, Jesus also came because it is God's will 
that none should perish, but that all should come to repentance. Jesus came to do the Father's will that we may be free and free indeed. Number two, Jesus came to save sinners like us, like me, like you. First Timothy chapter one, verse 15 says, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. That's Paul speaking to Timothy. And I feel just like Paul. Jesus came to save a sinner just like me, of whom I was a chief amongst. And many of you were chiefs amongst sinners. John 3.16 tells us, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever might believe in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. And then we're reminded in 1 John chapter 3, verse 5, that Jesus came in order to take away the sins of the world. And in him there is no sin. Because of this, we are set free and we are free indeed. Amen to the glory of God. Aren't you glad Jesus came? If you know him, aren't you glad you know him? If you know it, aren't you glad you understand what he did for you and me on the cross at Calvary where he hung, bled, and died for your sins and mine? Yes, for all the sins of the world. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for many, for us. But we are told in Mark chapter 10, verse 45, for even the son of man came not to be served, but to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. And Hebrews 1, 3 says, we are told that Jesus is the radiance of the glory of God and the exact imprint of God's nature and that he, Jesus, upholds the universe by the word of his power. You recall Jesus said, all power on heaven and earth has been given unto me. And then after making purification for our sins, Jesus sat down at the right hand of God, the majesty on high. The word tells us he who knew no sin became sin on our behalf so that we might become the righteousness of God through Jesus. Jesus came to give his life as a ransom for us that we might be saved, that we might be justified, that we might eventually be glorified. Number four, Jesus came to bear witness to the truth. John tells us in chapter 18, verse 37, Then Pilate said to him, So you are a king? Jesus answered, you say that I am a king, but this purpose I was born, and for this purpose I have come into the world, to bear witness to the truth. Everyone who is of the truth listens to me. Jesus answers later and says, I am the way, the truth, and the life. 
No one comes to the Father except through me. Jesus came to bear witness to the truth so that we may be free and free indeed. But no one can come to the Father. No one can be resolved of their sins except they are forgiven of their sins by Jesus and in doing so be set free from sin and the penalty of death. Number five, Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil. Scripture tells us in Hebrew chapter two, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that is Jesus, likewise took on the same things, that is flesh and blood, that through death he, Jesus, might destroy the one who has the power of death, that is the devil, Satan, our eternal enemy. Brothers and sisters, sin, as I've said many times, lead to death. Jesus is able to forgive us of our sins so that we do not die in our sins. Jesus came to destroy the works of the devil, to destroy death itself. And Revelation tells us that Satan himself, along with the fallen angels, will be cast into the lake of eternal fire. Number six, Jesus came to give eternal life. We are told, Jesus said, I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. And the bread that I will give for the life of the world is my flesh. Jesus gave himself when he hung and died on the cross for us. And then John chapter 6, verse 51 says, With the gift of eternal life, we are set free. We are set free indeed. Number seven, Jesus came to reveal God's love for sinners. We are told, for our sake, God made Jesus to be sin who knew no sin, so that through Jesus and Jesus, by Jesus, we might become the righteousness of God. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son. You know this very well, and I've said it a couple of times, that whoever, the whosoevers believe in him would not perish but have eternal life. You know, brothers and sisters, God demonstrated his own love for us in this. While we were still sinners, Christ Jesus died for us. And as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. And then the word over in Michael chapter 17 says, God will have mercy, that is compassion, on us. He will conquer our sins. God throws away all our sins into the deepest parts of the sea. And I'm reminded of what Hebrews chapter 8, verse 12 says. For I will forgive their wickedness and will remember their sins no more. Aren't you thankful that God remembers our sins no more? That Jesus throws them into the sea of forgiveness and forget about them. But unfortunately, sometimes our sins are, are so bad to us that we can't let them go. We keep holding on to them. I know I did for many years. And even now, sometimes I want to go back and remember because Satan liked to bring guilt back into our lives and cause us to feel guilty as if we are not saved and we're not being redeemed. But brothers and sisters, 
God's word is full of so many promises, so many scriptures about the redemption that we have through grace by Jesus Christ. That's what I've been talking about now for these last many minutes. Romans chapter 8 tells us, There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. When I enter those moments, even though I've not seen, but I'm in those moments of, of just thanking God for what he has done for me, and I, and I want to think about how my past used to be, this scripture, Romans 8, comes to mind. And I encourage you to, to use it, as well as Psalm 51. There's therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Brothers and sisters, Jesus came to reveal God's love for sinners. Sinners like you and me. Sinners like us. And in doing so, we are set free. We are free indeed. Number eight, as to why Jesus came. Jesus came to call sinners, as we were, to repentance. Jesus said in Mark chapter 2, verse 1, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Through our repentance and belief in Jesus Christ as the Son of God, we are set free. You know this already, but number nine, let me say it again. Jesus came to die for our sins. Jesus said, now is my soul troubled. And what shall I say? Father, save me from this hour. But for this purpose, I have come to this hour. Jesus is saying, should he say to God the Father, save me from this hour? No, I came into the world for this very thing. So Christ was sacrificed once to take away the sins of many. And he will appear a second time, not to bear our sins then, but to bring salvation to those of us who are waiting for him. Because he died on the cross and through his death and resurrection, we are set free. He came to set us free. We who were sinners, steeped in our sins, separated from God, he came and died for us. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. Number 10. Luke 19 verse 5 tells us, when Jesus came to the place, he looked up and said, Zacchaeus, hurry and come down, for I must stay at your house today. And Jesus said to him, today salvation has come to this house, since he is also a son of Abraham. For the Son of Man came to seek and to save the lost. Jesus came to save those that are lost. People of God, I was lost. But thanks be to God, I'm found. Jesus sets us free. Number 11, Jesus came to be merciful and our faithful high priest. Hebrews chapter 2, verse 17 through 18 tells us, Therefore he, that is Jesus, had to be made like his brothers, that's us, in every respect, so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God 
to make an acceptable sacrifice to God for the sins of the people. That's us. Because he himself has suffered when he was tempted, Jesus is able to help us when we are being tempted. By being merciful and our faithful high priest, Jesus is able to set us free. Jesus said to his disciples in Matthew chapter 28, all authority in heaven and earth has been given unto me. He goes on to say in Matthew chapter 9, our Lord said, but I want you to know that the son of man has authority on earth to forgive sins. So he said to the paralyzed man, get up, take your mat.